0: And welcome everybody to The Sports Rivals. I'm Gary Thorne. Delighted to have you with us. Two great guests today. Our purpose here is to preserve memories of classic sports rivalries through the words of those who participated in them. And these are the rivalries that are described from the inside out. Two of the game's all-time great pitchers in Major League Baseball history are with us today, Jim Palmer and Dennis Eckersley. For Jim, he pitched for the Baltimore Orioles and only the Orioles for 19 years, 1965 through 1984, entered the Hall of Fame in 1990. He was one of the game's great pitchers, as exemplified by the three Cy Young Awards that he won, and the fact that over his career, an amazing number, that eight times, eight times, he was a 20-game winner. It took him to the World Series six times and came away with three World Series rings. Dennis Eckersley has one of the most unusual careers as a pitcher. He, too, is in the Hall of Fame, elected in 2004, pitched from 1975 through 1997. The amazing part of it, not only the success he had, but that he did it as both a starter and a closer. He was a starter with the Red Sox, the Cubs, and Cleveland, then went over to Oakland, and there was converted into one of the game's great closers. Dennis Eckersley. in the 1992 year as a closer with Oakland, went 7-1, and one, had 51 saves, and was the American League Cy Young Award winner and MVP. For the act, control, control, control. Gus Gossett said of him he could hit a gnat, in the butt with a pitch if he wanted to. And probably for Eck, that is true. So we are delighted to have Jim Palmer, Dennis Eckersley with us. Yes, they did face one another at the major league level. They're going to tell us about that and a lot more. Guys, let me uh, begin. I'll start with you, Eck, but both can respond to it. When, uh, Eck, did you first become aware of Jim Palmer as an opposing pitcher?
1: Wow, you know... When I broke in, I broke in in, in, in 75. I believe Jim won the Cy, Cy Young that year, of the three. That was the year. And, and, and what I remember of that year, it was a big deal. You know, uh, Tops cards, you know, baseball cards, they used to have the top three um, you know, pitchers in the ERA and wins and whatever, and it would come out every year. And I was lucky enough that year to be – this is what I remember so well, 75 – Jim led the league with a 2.0-something, and then Catfish Hunter was second, and I was third, so I was lucky enough to get on that card, and I was a rookie, and I will never forget it because, you know, I, I, I held Jim in such high esteem, to say the least, and this guy was the guy. You know, he was the guy. He was the best pitcher in the game for several years, that being one of them. I think Catfish came in second that year, didn't he, in Cy Young,
2: I believe. His yeah, yeah. first year with the Yankees. and uh, Yeah. Uh, you know, I I was, I think, 22 and 11. He was 22 and 13. My ERA, I think, was 209. See? Uh, I had a few more shutouts. Uh, he had maybe a few more complete games. I think I had 25. He might have had 28. Uh, I know those are kind of, un- I mean, people don't even know what a complete game is now. I mean, what do we yeah. get about 9 or 11 a year uh, collectively? But let- I want to take you because, you know, we're supposed to be rivals. And, you know, Gary said, you guys know what your record was against each other. and. Uh, you know, you remember a game, we'll get to that. And I remember another game when I was trying to win 20, I think, for the seventh out of eight years um, in Cleveland late in the season. But I want to take you back to probably the winter of 1975 when uh, we went to a a dinner in Erie, I think it was Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And Bob Prince, who was, the, you know, I don't know if he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame, but he was the renowned announcer for the Pirates. And he was the MC. And they were having a winner's thought. And, uh, so, you know, I mean, we probably paid us three or $400 to go. It must probably was after your first year with the Indians where you won 13 games. I mean, you had a great rookie year, low ERA, I think it was about 260 somewhere like that. And we all knew you had great stuff and you, you kind of looked like an Oakland A cause you had the mustache and you know, the long hair and, uh, you know, and you won. <laughs> so that's what the A's. Did. But, um, what I remember about the dinner is first of all, uh, the spring thaw so when Bob Prince was coming to the dinner apparently when the car got off the the highway it went into a wall of water and he had to, the car stopped he had to get out of the car with his tuxedo on he took his Gucci loafers off held them up and when he came to the rostrum he had a water line a little bit higher than his cummerbund <laughs> and he puts his Gucci loafers on the uh, on the top of the rostrum and he says okay I'm a little damp, but I'm ready to go. And what I remember is that this was the first time I ever met Dennis Eckersley. It was every time I really saw you in person. Yeah. You know, I'd seen your pitch. You know, I knew you are a great pitcher. But, you know, I think if anybody that's a, you know, Red Sox fan or even a baseball fan and they get to see you broadcast, you have a unusual uh, vocabulary. And my question, <laughs> coming from Northern California, what, what, what was the genesis of this? I mean, where did this all come from? Because... When I was out of the, you know, I was up on the dais, and I'm listening to you talk, and I'm looking down at the dais, and I'm going, "What is this young man?" Because you're like, you're 65, Why? I'm before. I go, "What is he talking about?" <laughs> so, you know, you cheesed him. You, yeah, I mean, you know, you had all these different particular things. So, what was it? Really, was the, der- the genesis the derivation of where this all came from?
1: You know, some I go back to that. I remember meeting you the first time that 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 you know place we talked about, wherever that was that we met, and. My memory of it was, you know, I was over my skis. I was green as can be, right? Because I was a rookie, and you are the man, right? So I think I might have seen you in the bar before we had the event. I, I forget. Um, and, you know, you were styling, and you were, you know, you know, Mr. Perfect looking good. Self-dust. Oh, yeah. And so I was sort of like, you know, and then, then when we went up to the podium and had the talk, I, it had nothing to do with my language back then. You know, I was just like, humming a humming i I didn't really, I didn't have my act together, you know, the, the way that you did. So I just felt so out of place back then. You know, we've come so far, you're thinking about that, you know, over 45 years ago. And, um, you know, the kind of relationship we have now. But if you go back to that time, I was in awe, man. I was just a kid, you know, and, 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 you know, I, I think that my, my, my verbiage hasn't got much better since then. You know?
2: Well, I, well, but, I think if anybody listens to the uh, you know, Nelson and listens to you you know that you know you're not exactly uh, um, kind of a you know close to the vest guy. You kind of say what you think, which is I yeah. think what is so refreshing.
1: Yeah, but you know there's there's so much jargon in this game that I've gotten over all the years, and the guy that I got it from is your a guy that pitched with you, won twenty games, Pat Dobson. That's yeah, where sure. it all came from. You know, oh, that's
2: where it did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he, you know, that was one of the four twenty game winners in '71. I think it's the only time it's happened in yeah. uh, my history with uh, Mike Quay, uh, uh, Dave McNally, and myself. In fact, I was the last in Cleveland. You know, where you started your career. That's I was the uh, I was the last guy to do it. And what well, was a nothing nothing game to the seventh inning, and I'm going. You know, I'm the only. I mean, 19 wins is not bad, but when you're used to winning 20, the other three guys on your staffs already done it, I'm going. I better win. As it turned out. Uh, I think I pitched against Alan Foster that day. We won three to nothing, but I was desperate. I mean, I'm diving into bases. I mean, I'm doing all kinds of stuff, just you know, because it's before the designated hitter. So, so Dauber gave you a lot of the, uh, you know, I mean, the high cheese. Yeah. And all.
1: Yeah, but you know, some beyond beyond Dauber, it has to go to Jim Palmer. Think about Jim Palmer at, at pitchers at that time. Jim Palmer is the reason why pitchers didn't wear hats. When you come in, when you came into Baltimore or they came to you, you go look out the outfield during batting practice and he didn't have a hat on and all the other guys followed suit, whether it was Flanny or uh, Martinez, or any, they didn't wear hats. And I never wanted to wear a hat either. So that just sort of gave me the opportunity to not wear one. I mean, it was, well, did, you, did, you have, did you have a, uh, a hat rule? I, I don't know. We had a lot of rules, you know, stirrups and all that stuff. But it was still cool because I never wanted to wear a hat anyway. So well, you know, Pearl Weaver's
2: rule. What was that? You want, you want to be on the club win. And yeah. we, I don't care what you look like. The only <laughs> – uh, well, we we'll, we'll kind of fast forward to the next year because one of the great games that I ever saw pitched in, in Memorial Stadium was a game you pitched against the Orioles in 1976. And what I remember is that um, it was first year and the only year that Reggie Jackson played for us. You know, he showed up. We traded Mike Torres and uh, Don Baylor at the end of spring training. For Kenny Holtzman, He came right away and Reggie held out for about five weeks. Uh, he could have signed, I think, 150, 175, 200, 225, 250, and uh, 50,000 for his dad up in Philadelphia. And, and the Orioles just did not have the foresight to know what free agent he was going to be. He would go to New York, 400,000 a year. Uh, he could have been Mr. October wearing an Oriole uniform, which would have even got me into more World Series. But you pitched the game and uh, Reggie's girlfriend was in town and he had a black Porsche with. Uh, MV 73 license plate and they wouldn't let her in the parking lot because she didn't have a parking pass. So after the game where you just blew him away, I think he had a roller to the fourth time up. He finally made contact after punching out the first three times. Somebody said, uh, well, actually it was really special. He said, well, you know, they wouldn't let my girlfriend in the (laughs) parking lot. You know, therefore I wasn't really trying and all that, but I mean, one of the great games I ever saw pitched, was you just you know and you know Reggie Hall of Famer with what five hundred and sixty four home runs? I mean a bunch of home runs. Um, you just made him look silly, but uh, but you know Dobber. You know going back to Dobber, um, he was one, he, he was your teammate. I think he won sixteen games. One of the yeah, years he did. Another one. Another one of your teammates was Gaylord Perry. Yes, was it? Yeah. So let me ask you a question. You know. <laughs> I know Steve Stone. When Steve Stone played for the Orioles in 79, he won 11 games. Next year, he won 25 games Was the Cy Young Award winner in, in 1980. So he had come up with the Giants. And I said, well, did you ever ask Gaylord about throwing a spitter? He goes, yeah, kid, you got $10,000. So my question to you is, it's always nice to have an extra pitch if you can. Yes. Did you ever ask Gaylord about maybe throwing
1: a, a I, spitter? I, I did not. You know, I, I – Gaylord hey, you're was, smart Guy. Come on. Yeah. You're a smart guy. Gaylord was in his own zone then. You know, if you remember right, Frank Robinson was a manager, 75, first black manager, the whole thing. So I was a part of that. And I was in the bullpen at the beginning. So Frank and and Gaylord didn't get along. Remember, Frank said, or Gaylord said, I want to make one dollar more than Frank. And Frank was a you know player manager anyway. So they didn't get along to begin
2: with. So because of the dollar, each,
1: I mean, I know. I, I don't know about the dollar, but the yeah. fact is, is I finally got a chance to start. But that was that was uh, you know a, a game about in May, so I was in bullpen for quite a while. Anyway, fast forward, I go on a roll and I I, I shut out the A's at that time. The A's were great, seventy-five. So we get on the plane afterwards, right? And I'm three and zero with a zero-five. I'm styling right, and Frank comes up to me on the plane, gives me a ball, said, "Sign this, Rook." for the stewardess or whatever it was. And I so I signed it and I put the ace. It was parentheses, <laughs> and gave it back to Robbie. And Robbie goes, Gaylord, look, look, the kid says he's the ace, you know? Yeah, it was classic, well, no was wonder, me, you know, personified he right then.
2: But, well, but but no wonder he didn't teach you how to throw a spitter.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't yeah. think he liked me.
2: <laughs> Why? Because you were good?
1: No, but they, he got traded about a month later, so it was a beautiful thing.
2: Well, I'm going to ask you one question. You know, I mean, you know, you went on. I mean, uh, Gary talked about it earlier. I mean, 390 saves and 197 wins. I think about a, what 190 or whatever as a as a starting pitcher. I mean, probably the best combination. One and a one and a half. One and, and a half. 150? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So okay, still not bad. But when when I went to spring training, when you know you got you started when you were 17. I think in Reno. I, I started in 18. I played for Cal Ripton's dad up in uh, Aberdeen, South Dakota. And that spring, you know, a guy drops a fly ball during one of the games and the guy's yelling, the pitcher's yelling at the left fielder, you know, because he's trying to make the club. And, you know, at lunch uh, that, that day, they'd go, you know, wear so-and-so. We don't wear our emotions on our sleeves. We don't yell at our defensive players and whatever. You, you're as about, about as good a guy that I've ever met. But... <clears throat> When you when you were on the mound, you had a different persona. You did not uh, prescribe or ascribe to the um, "I don't wear my emotions on my sleeve." And I don't mean it's a bad thing because obviously, I mean, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer and all that. But and then we were talking uh, probably, I guess, last winter or something like that. I said, you know, I was watching one of the World Series games, and then you know, you get a save, and then you come in, and you're, I mean, your mannerisms. You know, I always accuse you of pointing at people and you say you only did it a couple of times, but then all of a sudden they interview after the game and you're the most calm and collect guy and all that. So what actually went on when you were pitching? Because as you said, I mean, I, I always said, Hey, never let anybody know what you're feeling. You know, a guy hits a a home run, not a grand slam because I never threw one of those, but you know, a three run home run, you're not really happy, but take a deep breath. You're not a deep breath type of guy. It didn't at least, or it didn't appear.
1: Well, you know, some it was something that I just it was difficult to control. You know, because I really am an emotional guy, and then I got demonstrative. And it, it, it to me, it's not really who I was. But it, you know how a lot of guys are just not the same. Once you start, you cross the line, it's a different story. And and it worked for me, Jim. You know what I mean? It just sort of worked for me. And I'm not, I've got kind of defensive about it you know, a little bit because I, you know, because you saw, you know. If you know me, it's not really me, you know. Um, but, you know, I, you got to live with how you acted on the mound. And, and, you know, like I said, it really wasn't who I was. It's almost, it was almost a, um, I don't know, I wasn't, you know, people hide behind it. It's a confidence thing. You don't want to let people know what you're really feeling, you know. So there's a little fear behind it. You know, and it's, and it, like I said, it worked for me. It, it just made, it's part of my whole persona. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of people say, well, we, you know, I think most professional athletes have the fear of failing. Yeah. Well, no always fail. I mean, you're failing in front of people people are commentating, especially if it's a world series on your failure or your success. I mean, there's both sides of that coin. but, um, I, I was, I mean, and again, that's just kind of the way that, you know, we were taught in the organization and I'm not meaning as a negative, but, um, You know, the one thing I always kind of wondered about, because I I got four saves, you had 390. I mean, that's it in my career. I mean, I got one when I was a a rookie where I pitched the last four innings, so I got a save in 1965 when I was kind of a spot starter. Earl Weaver brought me in Um, after the All-Star game to face Sal Bando with the bases loaded, then had the nerve. I was just warming up for my next start. Next thing I know, him in the game, he had the nerve to tell me the bases were loaded. Like, I didn't know that with, you know, one out in the ninth inning, and I, you know, he had a a double play ball. I mean, kind of a, not a screaming line drive, but a nice skidding one hopper uh, for a double play. What what motivated you as a closer? I mean, mean, you know, I've heard people say it's faith, or it's fear, or is it competence, or the fact that you know, your team's got a lead after eight games, yeah, I I don't want what what was what was it for you?
1: Well, first of all, I went back to that again. You, know, you have to convey confidence. And, you know, that's part of it. But there's a fear base, you know, the fact that you could give it up. Hello, Kurt Gibson. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's hot. That, I mean, that's a hot position to be in. And, you know, I've, I've eaten crow galore. Believe me, I've, I've blown a lot of saves and a lot of big ones and it hurts. And so, you know, it, you know, you get that big save and it, it's fleeting. You know, you walk off the field and yahoo, you better enjoy it because tomorrow's another one, you know? So maybe you're over the top sometimes, but if you were feeling what I was feeling, not everybody's the same. We're not all robots. When you're feeling it, man, I show it, you know? And um, it guys take it the wrong way sometimes. Get over yourself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dwight Evans used to get pissed at me all the time. I said, don't flatter yourself, pal. You're just another out. It just happened
2: to be a big one. You know? This is when, this is when you when you won twenty games with the Red Sox, or when, when your teammate or when you were getting them out. When well, I was getting them out because he just he was pissed
1: at me all the time. Yeah. Uh, well. <laughs> uh,
0: well, let me let me get you back to something yeah. we had at the beginning, please, because you both started on the matchups. And Jim said he had a story, and I think Dennis did too, about Matt pitching against one another. Can you take us back there?
1: Let me want me to do it, Jim. Let me do my side, and you can do yours because mean- I know where you're going.
2: It was a, it was a, me- a meaningless game, the
1: game. To yeah, go. for me, but maybe more for you. But this okay. is the end of the season of '77, right? I believe at the time I might've been 13 and 12, whatever it was, and you had a lot more wins, trying to get your 20 wins again, just to stay in shape. And I happened to match up with you and we had a nice game going on one to one, right? Going into the eighth, I believe. One to one, going to the eighth, bottom of the eighth. We get the base, now this is, this whole story is based on the fact that Jim has never given up a grand slam. Hello, okay? We got the bases drunk, bottom of the eighth. Rico Cardi's
2: the hitter. Oh, well, no, let's go through the whole line. You wanna? <laughs> you know, bases loaded. Yeah. Now, I, I only have two more starts. I have this start. And, you know, you've already struck out about 12. I think I had yeah. three strikes. I wasn't right. about. I wasn't trying to. I hadn't pointed my finger at anybody. <laughs> I pointed were, 12 times. You were dealing. You were dealing. And I get, I think there's a, uh, Paul Day might hit a single. There's a bunt. The sensei falls down. Another bun, I fall down because the, football, the field in Cleveland was not the best. They'd already played football on it. Now the bases are loaded. We got Bruce Backey coming up, who had hit, what, 300, like four years in a row somehow. And I'm thinking, and then Andy Thornton, uh, Andre Thornton, and then Rico Cardi, who two years earlier had hit 366 and won the National League batting title. And I'm thinking, number one, how am I going to get out of this without well, so giving up a slam? Well, no, I, I just wanted to know how I was going to get out of this without giving up a run. Because right. you were, I mean, like I said, you, you had outpitched me to that point, even though it was 1-1. So Bakke swings at like a, the fifth high fastball, 2-2, two and two, he strikes out. Throw fastball up and into Thornton, he pops it up, and I go, ooh, this might be really good. So Rico Cardi comes to the plate. Now, Rico used to talk to you. Used to talk to hitters, you know, you kind of give them the gestures and all that. But Rico used to have a big smile on his face. And that kind of unnerved me because I wondered why what why does a hitter come up to the plate facing me with a big smile on his face? He must know something that I don't know. And earlier in the year, I'd thrown him a low and away slider in a game. I think one I won four to four to one, five to one, and he hit it about 430 feet to right center field for a home run. So now I get two outs, bases loaded, one-one game. I'm going. What am I going to do? I'm not throwing him a slider because I learned my lesson, right? So I throw him a high fastball, and he takes it. And I go. He always swings at that pitch. Ball one. Take a deep breath. Throw him another high fastball. He takes that pitch. Now it's two and zero. Now I'm going. Uh oh. Now I'm going to let you go right from there. It's two and zero. Oh. You got to be thinking. Uh oh. You know, you're on the bench thinking, Cardi. I mean, something good's going to happen.
1: I said, "This lucky bastard's going to get out of this bases loaded jam." Is what I'm thinking, right? Here he goes again. Throws that that high cheese, and somebody's going to pop this shit up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Rico crushes it, left center field. Right, Bunbury. Bunbury. I said Bunbury. Yeah, the Bunbury's there. Goes to the fence. At the fence, leaps snatches this ball over the fence. I am on the top step saying, get out of here. Slam it, John. (laughs) And he catches it. He catches it. Branch work for Palmer. And he comes off the field.
2: And then what Then I go
1: out and give up two back-to-backs to to Eddie and and, uh, Singleton. Yeah. And how did it end? And then I get the L. Yeah. And And you're happy as can be, happy once again. The and Nathan Bomber wins again, and I'm the <laughs> lamb, and I gotta go to the house. The next day he comes to the field during batting practice, walks over to me.
2: We're running in the outfield. Yeah, he's,
1: and he comes over to me. Not granted, I just lost, right? And he comes over to me, said, Hey, I just want to give you some advice, kid. Right? Like, okay, no. Dad. He said, <laughs> Don't be pointing at these guys when you punch them out. Because they, they wanted to give you your lunch. They don't play this, you know. And I said, you got it. And I said, thank you very much. And we
2: went about our day. Yeah, but were you rooting for me when I went 11 innings on the last day of the season to win my 20th? Or were you still a little bit angry that the fact that you had outpitched me and I somehow, uh, you know, miracle on 33rd Street, which is kind of what where the Orioles yeah. played?
1: I'll tell you what, I, to me, back then, I, I still, I mean, I may have carried myself like I was a man, but I really wasn't, you know what <laughs> I mean? I really so,
2: wasn't. So now let's go back to, so, so let's tell your story about, you know, about the home run that was rained out.
1: Oh, yeah, I, 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 I don't have fond memories of that. I, I think the Yaz hit a three-run home run off you in the second or third inning, and it was raining like hell, and then they called it once again. I can't, I can't beat the guy, right? <laughs> I, once again, we, we didn't really face each other all that much, though. Really,
0: right? Well,
2: Gary asked us. You know, I mean, you think about. I mean, I I, I can remember maybe pitching against Catfish. He had me beat two nothing. Ken Harrelson had a home run, and Frank had a three run home run with two outs in the ninth inning. I won that game three to two. Um, uh, you know, Nolan maybe a couple of times. Gaylord, you know, Fergie. Um, I might have beat him one nothing opening day. He beat me two to one in Texas when he, you, you know, he was with the Red Sox one year. You know, a lot of times, you know, I think you, the one common denominator when you pitch against guys like you when you were starting or Gaylord or Nolan or you know, I mean, if you're in the National League, Carlton or Fergie when he came to the American League is that you know you can't pitch poorly. One, I mean, you better be on. You better have have your A game, or you know, you're not going to luck out. You're not, you know, you're not going to get one of those five and a third innings. And uh, you know, Eckersley gave up seven runs, and you somehow got five and a third innings, sixteen outs, and you're going to get a win? Uh-huh. It wasn't going to work that way. You
1: know, I tell you what—you always pitch your best games against. Uh, when I go look back at some of the games I pitched against great pitchers, you know, I did a lucky enough to throw no hitter once. Frank Tanana, I beat him one to nothing. That's when he was Frank Tanana. Remember back in mid '70s, he could 95, throw. 95 Yeah, but you know something, Jim. When I look back, and I'm not trying to be humble or anything, is. Um, I, I couldn't hold anybody, you know, your jock, I mean, what you did, and a jockey, that's kind of funny, I couldn't hold your jockey, but, uh, I mean, you were in a league of your own, Jim, I mean, you know what I mean, and you go, you're sort of sensitive to the the thing that you didn't punch guys out, right, I think that, that gets in your craw a little bit, you know, but you're probably one of the, I mean, I'm not trying to blow your horn here, but you're probably one of the greatest five pitchers that ever pitched in this game, so it's hard for me to even compare myself to you talking about starting pitching back in the day, because You were uh, one of a kind, without a doubt. And uh, that goes, you know, a lot of people don't remember, you know, how great that you really were. You see what's happening. I've
2: been on on really good teams and a lot of great staffs. Uh, You know, I had Robin Roberts when I was 19. He was twice my age. You know, he had about 270 wins. He told me about fastball command. You know, you got a great fastball. hope you understand that. Curveball, you can throw for a ball. One you can throw for a strike, maybe a third pitch. Did you have a guy that when you were coming up, you know, maybe was your uh, mentor, you know, as far as pitching. And I know it wasn't Frank Robinson because, you know, Frank was a hitter.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he hated pitches, didn't he? He hated pitchers. But I'll tell you what, I got a lot from Robbie because I used to blame – I blamed my act on the mound to Robbie because Robbie had a chip on his shoulder to beat the band. I mean, didn't he? I mean, Robbie – that's why he was great beyond great. And I think all good players should find a chip. I know some guys got bigger chips than others, but you know, there's always something to prove. You know, you feel like, you know, somebody doesn't think I'm that good. And, uh, and, and, you know, yelling at umpires like Frank used to do, everybody was screwing Frank, weren't they? I mean, he, he was
2: angry man. Well, you know where he got, you know where he got that from Earl. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were, Earl wouldn't wear his glasses so he couldn't really see what was going on. But if the scoreboard, he'd say, what's the score? And somebody would say, well, they're ahead. And he would get a little bit upset. Yeah. (laughs) And then he'd get thrown out or something like that.
1: But I'm sure you talked about Robin Roberts. For me, there wasn't anybody in particular, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Uh, I wish I had one guy. You know, I had Dave Duncan late in my career, but that was way after the fact,
2: you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I played on, I mean, you could certainly, the Indians, when you first came to them, when you were, what, 20? You know, yeah, I got to the Orioles when I was 20. You didn't have bad players, but, you know, I was on a team that was winning 94 games and 109, 108, 101. Yeah, things were I, – I played on a better ball club. Probably better defensively yeah, right. too.
1: Yeah, I took to get to the Red Sox to get
2: me some runs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You told me once you learned – you know, I, I I used to go to Fenway and – you talked about fear motivating you as a closer. Fear motivated motivated me, motivated me when I went to Fenway Park because, you know, you always felt like the the wall was brushing the back of your rear end because, you know, the green monster was so close. But you told me you had Freddie Lennon center. You had, uh, uh, you had Dwight Evans in, in right field with his, what, eight or nine gold gloves, and you learned how to pitch the lefties using your change up and yeah. using the bigger part of the ballpark.
1: Yeah. You know something, Jim, you know, when I look back, I was a two pitch pitcher, you know, I, and just change speeds on my breaking ball and try to sink my fastball. And then I used to think I had high cheese. I thought I could bring it. You know what I mean? And, and the, I got the, probably the biggest problems in my career and it never stopped because I was always a velocity guy. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, God, if I felt like I was bringing it, um, and I thought, man, when I was younger, I was throwing 95 who knows how fast you threw really, but I don't know. I was always a velocity guy and I wish I had learned earlier that, you know, and then I could paint a little bit too.
2: A a little, a little. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I look back at your numbers, you know, your first year in the minor leagues. I mean, I walked 130 and 129 innings went to instructional league and then worked on my windup. And next year I was in the big leagues because I kind of had to stay there. Only your first year, you had almost maybe, I think a, walk every two innings yeah but other than that i mean it you you're, you're, your control with maybe uh one backdoor slider that didn't quite get to where you wanted it to be was just impactful. yeah just one <laughs> yeah. it should happen to be in game one of the 88 world series you know it's funny about that game you know I, I mean you've owned that about as well as anybody but you know people always say well what was your most, uh, most and and this is kind of interesting because you were on this team the 77 all-star game is like 102 degrees in Yankee stadium. And, you know, we are wearing the white shoes and all that, you know, Yaz is playing center because we don't, you know, I think whoever's playing the center fielder is hurt with it, and he's got a sprained ankle. Not that it mattered because the way I pitch. but Bob Fish, who was Lee McPhail, who was president of the American league said, you know, can't have what happened last year. I said, what's that? He said, you need to be ready to pitch it at, by 8:15, 8:20." eight 20. So I, Jeff Torborg warmed me up. I didn't have great stuff. I uh, already had about 185 innings at the All-Star break. So, you know, that's the, kind of what we did back then. And so I, I go, I come in, I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there. The game starts at 845. Joe Morgan, who got into the Hall of Fame the, the year I did, you know, MVP twice. I go three and two on and him, and I said, if I walk him, he's going to steal second. If he feels good, which is an All-Star game, throw him. You know, I don't have – again, I didn't have good stuff. And when you have a tendency of not having good stuff, you overthrow – especially in an all-star game, throw a backup slider to Luzinski. He checks, swings it into the right field seats. It's two to nothing now. And then in this second inning, I hang a real, you know, the, the room service slider hey, and Garvey hits it into the bullpen. So it's four nothing. And Billy Martin comes, finally comes out. And I said, Billy, where, where have you been? He goes, well, I didn't want to embarrass you. And I said, Billy, leaving me out here has embarrassed me, but I have a question. You were huh. on that team and where were you when I needed you?
1: <laughs> you know, so That was one of the most nervous I've ever been. This is the 77 all-star game at Yankee stadium. Okay. I'm 22 years old. I, I think I would, you know, had talked to you before the game, but the day before, when we got to practice, Billy Martin was the manager. And Billy told me, this is when they tell you, Hey, Eck, you got the second three innings. We should go three innings. Remember our starter. You follow Palmer. I I had to go home. I said, "Oh my God, I got to pitch the second three innings." Yeah, it I was, made you look pretty
2: good though, didn't
1: it? Yeah, and then you got your lunch <laughs> in the first inning, and Kearney had to get warmed up. Jim Kern, I remember. But you know Wait, that's no, how.
2: Yeah, that's the how first proud
1: time. that's how proud Jim Palmer is. He find he has a bad outing, one outing, you know, and it stays with him fifty years later, right? <laughs> well, oh, you know flashback. what?
2: Well, okay, because that following the game of the week, I pitch against Gaylord. Okay. So I go 11 innings, nothing to nothing. He pitches the first nine. Nobody, well, I mean, it's game of the week on NBC. So somebody sees it, but not as many people have saw me throw the three home runs in the all-star True. game. And the irony is I had never given up a run in an all-star game. I had pitched against Seaver in 70, you know, three scoreless innings. Started the game in, in, in Atlanta when Gaylord, uh, Said to Mickey Lolich and myself because we were going to pitch the bulk of the game. He said, "You know, somebody's going to have to let Hank Aaron hit a home run." I said, "Gaylord, he's got 697 home runs. He, you don't have to let him hit home runs. He hit a home run off. He hit, a, he hit a home run off Gaylord in that game. Not that he yeah. let him. It was a jump shot, but that was Hank Aaron. And then, uh, you know, I pitched in the uh, the game in. um in Detroit, whenever all the Hall of Famers hit the home run and Reggie hit it up
0: on the transformer, I really
2: bite a blue. I never gave up, never gave up a run. Must have been Billy Martin. I'm blaming it on Billy. <laughs>
1: I'll tell you what, you know, Jim, you know, the kind of career you had, you can't look back at that many bad games. But you know, when it's over, said, and done, you know, this is a very humbling experience. You know, not even though you're a Hall of Famer, I mean, I gave up a lot of big home runs, you know, whether it's a Kurt Gibson one, Alomar, we don't want to get into it. But anyway, when it's over, said, done. I've given up, given up over 350 jacks now, so I have swallowed a lot. You know what I mean? So when I, start, when I start pointing at people, you know, it's okay. They got me. I get them. That's it.
2: Right? Seriously. Well, you're right. Some of us just did it in a little manner. Again, I'm not being judgmental. I mean, I'd I love to see you deal. I, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. I wanted to get the guys out. But I, I didn't want to embarrass them, even though I think that if guys trotted around the bases and pointed and did all the stuff they do now, I had 34 guys in almost 4,000 innings, 3,948 innings. Nothing. Yeah, that number, that number that number would have gone up a little bit. Yeah, you can't have guys pointing and gesturing and doing all that kind of stuff. It's just you know you don't try to hurt him; you just hit him in the kneecap, yeah. you know, and oh, it's an accident yeah <laughs> hey, okay,
0: let, me, let, guy. <laughs> let me let me ask both of you this this is from a fan, and that's me. Uh, Jim, when Eck was put in the bullpen when Tony Larissa and Dave Duncan decided that he was going to become a closer what what did you think about that as a pitcher?
2: Well, you know, you
0: know I mean I,
2: he, you know i it's funny if if you look at the the numbers. I was kind of wondering, you know, because you get traded to the Cubs, you had a couple of good years. And the year before, what it was, I think, 86, you were 6-11 and 11 with a very high ERA. You know, because when you went to the National League uh, from the Red Sox, uh, you know, most of the guys that I've talked to said it's easier to pitch in the National League because you don't have a DH and you so on and so on. And you can sequence your way through hitters. And you certainly know how to do that. But, um, you know, I figured you must have had a sore arm when you were six and 11 with the Cubs or if something was going on and then you go to, you know, Gary, I mean, I, I, I and that could explain this. Cause I'm kind of wondering when you take a starting pitcher, I think you were right. Like maybe 29. You weren't, you know, it's not like you were 34 or five, you're 29 years old. All of a sudden, you know, you've already pitched a no hitter. You already won 20 games as a starter and you go to a good team, but you get a manager who's in the hall of fame or ends up in the hall of fame that is known for his communication. How did it all go down? I mean, I, I just figured, well, maybe Tony Russo knows what he's, you know, what he's thinking, you know, what he's doing, because if you look back, I mean, what, at like 2,700 wins as a manager, Tony was a pretty good manager, I'm kind of wondering what he told you and, and how you bought into that.
1: i tell you, Jim, it, dumb luck, really. It, it's timing, life is timing. You know, who knows where you're gonna be at that time? My life was changing, you know? alcoholism, the whole thing, got sober. So we all got lucky, me the most. And, you know, what I'm, you know, impressed about with pitchers that that can throw 4,000 innings, I ran out of gas, Jim. You know, when I was with the Cubs that last year, I had nothing, and I got knocked around. And then I
2: got, I didn't have
1: I was throwing salad, man. I had no gas. I had nothing. I had no gas. And I, hooray for paint, man. You got to throw strikes, and they're going to get you. But anyway, I got sober that offseason, came to Oakland on the ground floor of that team that was, who knew that team was going to turn into a great team, right? Conseco, McGuire, what have you, Bob Wells, Dave Stewart, whatever. So I was right place, right time, dumb luck. Tony gets me, says, and they had a tired uh, rotation at the time. And he said, no, you go to the bullpen. And I was like, all right. But I accepted it, you know, and I went, and that's probably the biggest part of it. And I could always throw strikes. My arm came back. You know what I mean? One, two, three innings, whatever it is, and it came back. And well, did it, you do it was,
2: it differently, or I mean, did you know? Did you go on a different program? Did you? Yeah, you
1: know, I was doing more. You know, you because know, my I, I got my arm back. You know, doing all those weights and you know, all those little teeny things we used to do. And then not only that, my mentality was go after people. Right? I mean, let's go throw strikes. You know, and I don't know. It was just, I, I'm, i It was the right place, right time, and it, it was the grace of God. The whole thing, the whole shooting match. But uh, and then here we are, all these years later. Tony La Russa is like my, you know, brother. It's like family, and and its history, all that. You
2: know. I mean, well, how did it feel? Like forty-eight saves, fifty-one saves. I mean, I mean, you made a point earlier when I won twenty games, eight out of nine years. They always took it away when the season started. You know, yeah. the, the 48 saves are gone. The 22 wins, 23 wins, 21 wins, 20 wins are gone. And you got to start all over. I mean, when you have to pitch, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you, what was the most saves you ever had in a week? I don't know, probably four. You know, four.
1: I, yeah. But the thing about it, you think about it, you're not – those guys going two, three innings, whether it's Fingers or Gossage or Suter and all that, you, somebody's got – what Goose, I mean, to last as long as he did – you remember Dick Raditz, remember? He only lasted, what, half a dozen years, right? I mean, you can't yeah. – I mean, there's Bill Campbell that did it. Remember Bob Stanley? They threw a lot of innings. You, got, you can't be a, a guy with gas going out there trying to feature gas three, four times a week and going two or three innings. It's not going to happen. So that played into why that one inning thing is where I got my success.
2: Well, plus, you know, as, as a control artist, I mean, you know, not that you didn't have good stuff. I bet you probably threw 13 to 14 pitches an in the inning. There you go. Where the major league average is probably more like six, seven, So you can do it on back to back nights and so on and so on.
1: Yeah. And Jim, I'm telling you, it was like magic. Here I come. It was like, here he comes. Mighty Mouse, here I come to save the day. And I just go out there and it goes boom, 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 boom. Let's get the hell out of here. It's unbelievable. It was magic. It was magic. <laughs>
0: God, you guys, you guys, have eaten, you've eaten up the clock again here as I knew you would. I uh, could go on forever listening to you talk. Uh, I'll just tell people. We just
2: got to get Echo a little more energy. That's we got to
0: give him more energy. See, he hasn't lost any of it. It's all still there. We haven't done a
1: game in about a year. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm chomping at the bit over here.
0: Right? I hear you. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, you guys. It's a. Uh, it's just magnificent. We really appreciate the fact that you've done this and given given folks what will be a real treat to to hear these stories from the both of you. Right. Jim Palmer, Dennis Eckersley, two Hall of Fame pitchers. And uh, I'll just say, so fans know, uh, two very great friends uh, at this point in time. That's going to conclude this chapter of the Sports Rivals. You can learn more about us, other episodes, logging on to thesportsrivals.com. We invite you to join the conversation with questions, suggestions, for any future shows, guys, you'd like to hear. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at These Sports Rivals, Twitter at Rivals underscore podcast, and on Facebook by searching for These Sports Rivals podcast. Dennis and Jim, our great appreciation, and all of you for listening. Thanks very much. And bear in mind, it is the rivalries that make the games.